Welcome to Imperfect Action with Brock Edwards. This is the podcast, the show where we really look for ideas and inspiration for uh, taking that next step in our life, or maybe it's even that first step. And you know, we often talk about entrepreneurship or side hustles, or maybe it's just that that big project in your life that, that you're trying to take on, but don't quite know where to start or have kind of gotten stuck and excited for today's guest. And I know I always say that, but I'm always excited for today's guest. And anyway, um, I, I've got Zach and it's uh, actually Zach. I'm going to let you pronounce your last name because I think I will butcher it. It's a Mercurio. You did not butcher it. Perfect. Ah, awesome. Awesome. The, this is the uh, Zach and, and I connected through uh, Josh Allen Dykstra, who was a, a guest a, a little while ago about optimizing workplaces for humanity. And he was kind enough to connect me and Zach. And this is really the first time we've had a chance to speak. So I've seen his name in print, but I haven't heard it said. So anyway, there you go. Uh, Zach, uh, let, let me turn it over to you and just uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I'm excited to be today's guest. So thanks for having me on. I really help people discover and activate purpose uh, to produce fulfillment for themselves and then ultimately results. And and what I mean by purpose is your reason for existence, you know, your unique usefulness and how can you scale that, capitalize on that, and then design environments and your life based upon that purpose. And so I do that in a couple of ways. The first is through research. My research right now is on how people experience meaning and meaningfulness in their work, you know, just really light stuff. And then the second uh, area is really strategy, consulting, and writing on helping people shift from this sort of results-obsessed mindset where I have to just achieve, 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 achieve to be fulfilled versus into a contribution impact centered mindset that I can contribute, 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 and I achieve as a result. So focusing on that contribution. And I do that in organizations, big, small organizations, and then also with individuals as well. So that's a little bit about what I do. And a quick component about why I do it is I was in a very miserable, painful job in my first job out of college that was so money obsessed that they ended up dying because of that. And and I frequently say you live by results, you die by results. Um, and it drained the life out of me. And I wanted to make sure no one ended up like me again. So, uh, so it's a bit of a noble cause there. Um, and yeah, I, well, isn't, you know, a terrible first job out of college. Isn't that kind of a requirement? Um, I guess so. I, this one was particularly bad though, Brock. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was in advertising and we were so, I mean, all we talked about was targets, sales goals, and quotas, and rarely ever talked about why we existed and how we mm. contributed. And, uh, you know, when you do that, you hit a bad number, the whole place sort of burns down, you know, you, you, people just psychologically die when they don't meet a goal, when they don't have a purpose. Wow. Um, that's kind of heavy there. Um, and I, and I don't think you're wrong. Um, I just never thought about it that way before. So, Mm. you know, actually, uh, recent, recent episode, we we were talking with a guest and, uh, mentioned Wayne Dyer's line and I will mess it up a little bit here, but I'm paraphrasing. But basically the the he, he encouraged us to focus on purpose versus outcome. Mm. Which sounds similar to to kind of what you're talking about, shifting from results to impact, you know, um be, being less worried about the 
specific what you get out of that and be more focused on why am I doing it? How am I doing it? And letting that go where it goes. And we tend to end up actually with better outcomes. Mm. So, and I realized there wasn't really a question mark at the end of that sentence. Um, no, I, I mean, <laughs> I agree with that. You know, I think that we've been sort of socialized to believe that we we exist to acquire and achieve things, right? Uh, but no human being, really, when you look at the psychological research, for example, no human being has been sustainably motivated over the long term by extrinsic rewards, meaning things that we get, things that are outside of us. You know, if I just asked people right now, in the last seven days, where did you find meaning and purpose? I venture to guess nobody's thinking right now, oh, that when I got that direct deposit, I felt a deep, deep sense of purpose. Or uh, when I got that job title, you know, we often think about and think about moments of, of impact. And it's because of the impact that we, you know, have a result to end with. Yeah. So I, um, I actually got kind of excited when you when you first started telling us what what you did here because you hit on some really big things and you know you mentioned that, that you help people discover purpose and then the second half of that sentence was that you help them activate that purpose. Hmm. Um, and I'd love to do a deeper dive into both there. So, how does someone discover their purpose? I mean, you know, what's what's the short secret is if there is one, and I kind of doubt there is, but you know, um, how do you uh, how do you do that? It's good, good question. I guess that I should be able to answer that question. So the the big key is, and maybe I shouldn't have even said I help people discover purpose. I, I help people be purposeful. Because uh, what here's what happens. I think that you know you see the ten step plans to finding your purpose on like blogs all over the place right now with millennials running through a field in a stock photograph. And and it can be sort of daunting. And I don't think that you can go out and find your purpose somewhere out there like you lost a set of car keys. I think you know it misses the mark when it tells you to go out and find it. I think that people are already purposeful. They already contribute in unique ways. So I guess what I one of the first pieces of advice I have is to stop trying to find your purpose and start asking better questions about yourself in terms of better understanding how you already contribute and how you can be more purposeful. And so one example is, you know, really focusing on the human impact of even even the most mundane and boring things that you do. I mean, having really sort of this uh, beautiful perspective that what you do inevitably impacts another human being and imagining that impact daily can help you to be more purposeful. Uh, one of the biggest uh, barriers to discovering or rediscovering purpose is the belief that what we're doing doesn't really matter to another person. And so anytime, you know, at the beginning of the day, for example, I, I really do, there's some things on my calendar that I don't inherently want to do, but I do say to myself, gosh, how is this going to affect another human being? And who is that human being? And when we can do that on a daily basis and make it a habit to think in an impact centered purposeful way, then we start seeing themes about how we do contribute and purpose sort of finds us after we start thinking more purposefully. Oh, nice. You know, uh, one of the interesting things about when we talk about purpose is that it is singular. Mm. And I've, um, I, I think that puts a lot of pressure on people, particularly those who have a perfectionist streak anyway, like there's this one thing and I've got to find it and it's got to be the right one, you know, not the one that's pretty close, mm. not the one that's kind of good. 
I, I've got to find only that one. And I, I, I kind of doubt that's true. I kind of doubt there's there's many things that we could do that would fulfill us, that would help us meet our purpose. Um, in, in fact, you know, just thinking when, when I think about my career, I, I know I have a very specific purpose in, in my mind, but, you know, I also have purpose around, you know, being a great husband, being a great father and, and all that. Um, and, and sometimes there's some balancing of purpose, I guess. And so I, I so I like this idea of, of being purposeful. Stop freaking out that you don't have this one perfect thing in your life, this, this nice little saying that you can put up on your cork board or your whiteboard. And, um, you know, that once you find that, then you're, you know, you, you're, you're done looking, you know, like that's it. You found it. You're done. Um, but, but really yeah, more. I think that if you think you've arrived, you're probably further away from <laughs> where you started. Right. Yeah. So, but, but you've really tied it more to not even making about, I mean, not only have you separated out when you start thinking about being purposeful, not only does that remove the pressure of a singular thing, um, it's something we can do right now today, whether we know what our purpose is or not. And then, but you also put another twist on it there of, it's not about you. It's about what you're doing for others, how you're interacting in the world. And why is that so important? What's magical about that piece? You know, it's really not magical. It's more biological. Uh, you know, so there's this really cool research called the Purpose in Life Studies coming out of the UCLA Semmel Center for Neuroscience. And one of the things that they found is that our brains seem to be hardwired for contribution, uh, for altruism. And what people have found is that when we have a purpose in life, a defined impact that we focus on regularly, they call that being purpose-oriented, that our brain actually rewards us more than when we achieve things. I mean, for example, um, we know that when we are helping someone else, we get a, a little boost of dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin, also known as the happiness trifecta. And these are literally the neurotransmitters, as I'm sure you've probably discussed on your show, that control for things like mood, movement, and motivation. I mean, research finds that people who have a purpose uh, outside of themselves, that they focus on their impact regularly, live on average seven years longer. There was just a recent one that came out that found that people with a sense of purpose that, again, they regularly thought about and embedded into their lives and work, that they actually had neuroprotective qualities in their brains and were less likely to develop dementia. So they're more biologically resilient. People, we don't know why or how yet, but we do know that, you know, if we didn't contribute to one another as a species, we really wouldn't fare so well. And so it makes sense that our brains are wired that way. For some reason, when we get into the business of business and work, where there's results and, and money focused on that, we forget that to be better and to feel better, it's actually, and to achieve those results, it's actually focusing on that contribution that can be powerful. So, so you you may have actually answered my next question in there, but I mean, if you're telling me that, so when we are outwardly focused, we're focused on others, you know, we're hardwired for it, we're getting a dopamine hit off of it, mm. um, we, we live longer, you know, the question then kind of becomes, well, why don't we just do it more then? So I, I'm I'm assuming, I'm guessing that then if we're not, is it that we're getting an even bigger dopamine hit off of something else or an easier <laughs> uh you know, focus on like yeah. results oh, yeah. um, or I'm, I guess I'm just kind of trying to stumble my way through neurobiology here. And um, I don't know that I'm doing it very that's successfully, our, but, but no, you are, 
that's a beautiful question. I mean, it's a brilliant question because, yeah, if this is so, you know, if we've known since really the late 15th century that human beings are are pretty much wired for purpose and meaning, um, then, you know, why why don't we do it more often? I mean, you could you could start with thinking about our the context in which we're in. So, post-industrial revolution in which we're still operating out of those principles we have been designed to be efficient and produce and produce and produce and i mean you've heard that maxims time and time again you know what what you're measured on is is who you become and very early on in school i mean i have a i have a 3 year old and he had a stem day at daycare I mean, he doesn't even know how to brush his teeth and he's getting tracked into a career plan based on the potential outcome that it could have. Uh, we measure people by grades, arbitrary letters. Um, we measure people by all of these extrinsic rewards. So it's not surprising to me that people become socialized into thinking that those things are um, success. And so I think environment, which is why I work with organizations a lot, because you can really tweak some interesting reward structures to start rewarding for purposeful behavior, and people are more fulfilled as a result. But environment, economics, our market, uh, just sociologically where we are, all of those things, I think, uh, factor in. And it's really easy to to get like pleasure. Like I like going and doing things that are pleasurable, like going to a concert. That's great. The problem is, is that pleasure is very short lived um, in terms of its half-life in our, in our lives and fulfillment and a higher purpose and meaning, because most of the times we can't ever be purposeful enough. It constantly sort of pulls us forward and results in longer lasting fulfillment. So there's a difference between pleasure and fulfillment there. Okay. Yeah. And, and so maybe that part kind of answers my question too. I mean, you, you really went down two tracks there of one, just how we're socialized and what we're held accountable to basically what we're measured on, mm. um, what, what we come to believe we're expected to do. And then just the idea that, you know, pleasure is shorter lived, but, um, I'm guessing it's also easier gained. Um, you, you know, it, it doesn't take much effort to, uh, get on YouTube or Netflix and it takes a lot more effort to go out and help someone or, or contribute in a, in a more meaningful way. Um, yeah, that's great. It's easy. You know, accessing pleasure, I would say, is very easy in our society. And accessing fulfillment and meaning and purpose takes a bit more reflection. But, you know, the research find that that reflection is obviously worth it. Sure. Yeah, so... So let's turn this a little bit and talk about this kind of kind of through the the business lens. So mm-hmm. you know everyone's got to make a living. You know we we, we got <laughs> got to eat, and we've got these things that we're measured on. Um, how do we find fulfillment, or how do we find that the the purpose, even when we are currently in a job maybe that we don't like, or you know, for those that are exploring, hey, you know, I want to start this side hustle or I want to do something else. Um, mm. what, are, what are some things we can do to ensure that we can do that, but in a way that creates more meaning and fulfillment for us? Yeah, the first, the first, there's, there's two parts there. So the first, I think you asked is, is how do you find purpose when you're maybe in somewhere where you don't want to be? Is that right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
so one of the one of the populations that I'm working with, and I get that question a lot. So I started interviewing people that don't have much choice in their career. So I, I started interviewing janitors, mechanics, bus drivers, and really understanding how people that find purpose in that type of repetitive, sometimes really mundane and really like stigmatized work that society doesn't look on too too highly, how do they how do they cut through that? And, and find purpose. And uh, one of the first interviews I, I ever did was with this woman named Mary. She was a janitor at a university. And I, I saw in her HR file that she had been there for over 25 years, had retired, had a really nice retirement plan, difficult life outside of that. So I was really happy for her. And then I saw that the month before this interview, she came back as an entry-level custodian again after all those years out of retirement. And I said, Mary, why? Why did you do this? And she said, well, Zach, I couldn't stand the thought of those kids in that dormitory not having a mama figure away from home. And I'm Hmm. like, whoa, okay. So she cleaned toilets, cleaned hallways, but she was able to craft her job in such a way that she saw that end end user, that end human being, and embedded that person into her task. And what we know from thousands of interviews is that you can craft your work as purposeful. I mean, you don't have to be a passive recipient of the work. You can be like an active constructor of your perceptions of it. And so one of the things she did, for example, was she constantly, again, focused on that person that's at the end of it. Like asking the question, like pick something you really don't like doing in your job right now. And then, so think of that and then ask two questions. What would happen to a person if I did not do it? And who does it impact? And, and almost inevitably in almost every industry, you can find that your job does matter to an extent to another person, whether it's a coworker or an end user. So that's what I would say to the first one is that there are ways to craft where you are as purposeful by thinking about uh, the inevitable impact that you do have. And then the the second question was how do you turn it into a how do you build this into a side hustle or a, or a business, and I think that when you start being purposeful, some themes come out about where you contribute the most. And um, in some of the work that I've done, purpose seems to arise from three areas: what you what you love to do, you know, those things that really energize you, what you're good at, and then ultimately how you improve and contribute to people's lives around you, um, because you know, to deliver impact, the resources in which you do that, and I know you talked to Josh Allen, are, are your strengths. And I call those your purpose resources. So reflecting on, you know, what do you love to do? What brings you life? What are you good at? And then ultimately, how do you improve other people's lives around you? And ask those questions daily. And the intersection of those can be a really compelling purpose and probably fills a compelling market need. You know, I often say that success is you know, filling a meaningful human need better than anybody else. And and that's really what entrepreneurship is all about. It's one of the most empathetic human acts in my, in my opinion. So, um, and I pause a little bit just thinking here because you're giving me so much to think about and I love that. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Sorry. I know that was a long answer. <laughs> no, no, it's fabulous. So, well, I guess what's coming to mind is what is it that you wish people knew about purpose that they just don't know or don't seem to get? Um, another way of asking that question would be, what is it that if people knew it, you'd have to go find a different job? You know, like what would put you out of the business of helping people connect to purpose? 
That's such a good question and like a scary question, but a really good one because I mean, it's that, that, that would be my purpose where everybody had a sense of purpose. But I think that, I think that the thing for me that I see people struggle with all the time, and I was just doing a workshop today, is that we don't realize how much control we have over how we feel. Hmm. Um, oftentimes I think that, uh, people say, well, Zach, you know, it's, it would, it's hard for me to do this because my leaders don't value me or we blame the system or the bureaucracy or all of these other things that are going on. But yet, and I always return to this question of, can you control that? And if you can, great, you have some influence there. But if you can't, what can you control? And most of the time, it's our own perspective. It's our own perspective on our lives and our work. And I often then follow up and ask people, how much time and energy do you devote toward building a strategy to engineer your perspective to be purposeful and to provide you fulfillment with what you can control? And I often find that we just don't spend a lot of our time thinking about that. We spend a lot of our time blaming external forces for the way that we feel instead of altering our perspectives um, to feel the way we want to feel. And so purpose is one of the ways that allows us to look outward, look at our impact, look at how we already do contribute where we are, and then can give us some tools. You know, one of those is what I mentioned that job crafting, the task crafting of how do you look at certain things that you do in your work um, to produce fulfillment as a result. So if, if people knew that like, and it's not, it's not like rocket science. I mean, like you can say, you know, that, that exercise I prompted earlier, think of something you don't like doing. What would happen to another person if you don't do it? Oftentimes people say, oh, Zach, I know, I understand that this has a bigger purpose and this matters. But, and then people start negotiating with themselves, you know, but there's so-and-so going on, there's this going on. And if people just knew to stop negotiate them, negotiating with themselves and just control what they can control and say, yeah, this does have a purpose, they can feel a lot better in just the everyday moments of life and learn, about, learn a lot about themselves that helps them craft their purpose as they go on. All right. So, so love that. So wherever they are, they can do a lot more towards it just through changing how, how they're thinking about it and how they're approaching it. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with, with Alexander Karouf. He is the, the chief happiness officer of woohoo. That's how he pronounces it. Um, it it's yeah, a I, Danish I listened to that podcast episode. Okay. So, so you heard it. Yeah. And you know, he is, uh, the founder of the International Quit Your Crappy Job Day, um, you know, sometime in, in, in March. Um, so you even got a website, yeah. so you know it's you know it's official, and uh, it's really a thing. Yeah, and um, you know, and, and he's done several things. One, if you go on his site, he's got videos of people in jobs, you know, just like what you were talking about that would seem repetitive and mundane, and yet they are fired up about life. Um, and clearly living living purpose, fulfillment, having a great time. You know, so where I guess the the question where I'm going toward is for you, or, or if you were to give advice around it, and I understand every situation is different, but where is that line between okay, I've done everything I can do to reframe the situation for me, and this really is a soul sucking job, and I need to go do something else now. 
you know, how, how is there is there a way of kind of knowing because like, you know, you mentioned the job in advertising, you knew that, no, you just had to get out, you had to go do something else. But I think for most people, it's a little subtler than that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's a good question. And I think that, you know, you've done all, say you've done all you can, you're changing your perspective, you're, you're um, living purposefully. And here's the key, though, is that if you have the means and the resources to have a choice, I always say, make the choice. But how you make the choice is important. If you're making the choice because it, it might look better to have a different job title, or the idea of entrepreneurship is appealing. You know, I meet a lot of entrepreneurs that it's more of the idea of not doing what they're doing <laughs> that is more compelling than being an entrepreneur. Uh, mm. And... and entrepreneurship may not be a great fit for where you best contribute and where your strengths lie and what energizes you. So one of the things I think is, is yeah, if you get to that point where, where the system around you is not changing, it is not allowing you, I mean, you can't control your perspective and you can't contribute in the way that you know you can contribute. And you know that there's a better mechanism, a better delivery system out there, whether it's another job or starting a business where you can contribute more. I think that's the right reason to to leave. Uh, oftentimes people make, um, you know, I left my job really because I didn't want people to be like me. I didn't want people to be educated into just getting a job to make a lot of money and being unfulfilled. And there were ways I could contribute to that. So, but I think when you start thinking purposefully in that moment, it brings to life different questions. For example, I work on a college campus and one of the most rampant questions I see is, hey, what are you going to do with your life? And what we know is that psychologically, that's an incredibly demotivating question, right? Um, because you get tracked usually into someone else's plan for your life and some default purpose, right? But uh, instead, like purpose and thinking purposefully allows you to ask the question, you know, what should my life do for others? That question, that shift right there can completely open up innovation, um, especially for an entrepreneur, help you define your contribution. And when you find a place you can contribute better, then yeah, I would say that you should leave and go do that if you have the means to do so. But I think purpose and being purposeful to start out, even in that crappy situation, is the start of identifying your contribution, which could ultimately be probably the most successful business you create if it's built around contribution. Yeah, I cannot tell you, Zach, how much I love the question, what should my life do for others? Um, mm. that, that, that's an amazing question. And one that, um, well, I ask a lot of questions of others. I ask a lot of questions of myself and I've, I haven't come across that question before and there's not too many questions I haven't come across. So I, you know, that stands out for me that just kind of makes me stop. And like, I want to just go think about that right now. Um, Cause that's such an important question. Well, let, let me ask this, um, Zach, what haven't I asked you that you, you really want people to know about? I'd like to go back to your last point because I think that, that, uh, that question is really powerful and and you can ask it in your business as well. I mean, oftentimes again, like someone at the I, I had raised that to a group of um of salespeople. 
And someone came up to me after I had raised that that difference of questions of the difference between a a result centered question, what do you what do you want to do, and and a purpose rooted question of what what should what your what should you do for others. And what uh, she came up to me and she said, "Well, Zach, you know, at the end of the day, if I'm in a meeting and numbers are down, uh, what else am I going to say? But let's get numbers up." And I said, "Well." What if you just, instead of saying, how do we get numbers up? You just asked, how can we contribute more? And you focused around that. And I, and I, just, I just reiterate that, that the power of questions to prompt innovation that are rooted in purpose and contribution, because when you're not focused on your problem that your numbers are down, but you're focused, for example, on your customer's problem, then your numbers will inevitably, eventually move upward. And so... I think that one thing that you had mentioned it towards the end is that um, is like what are some maybe what are some practical ways that people could do this now is a question that I think is a good one to answer here. And I think that if you're listening to this podcast and you're inspired and compelled by purpose, um, one know that every time I talk on shows like this, I end up writing notes about what I'm talking about to teach myself that this stuff is all aspirational and it takes a lot of habit building to make it happen. But what could you do right now? I think that starting to think about what you do already on a daily basis, just look at your tasks, the things that you do and identify what they do for other people. Um, And that simple exercise can really help define um, contribution. And then I would take a minute or a weekend to reflect on what do I want my life to do for others? And then ask yourself, is this expressed in my business or my future business? Is this expressed and aligned in my everyday work? And could everybody know and feel based on how I am and what I do, that that is how I want to contribute? And are you aligning your behaviors with that sense of contribution that you have? So I think those are like three practical ways that people could leave and just start thinking about this. And again, it takes time and, and habit building. It's a, it's a new way of thinking and breaking a cycle of socialization that we're all, including myself, up against. Yeah. Well, all right. So where can people find you? Yeah. So I'm on ZachMercurio.com. So Mercurio, it's like Mercutio from Romeo and Juliet, uh, but the T is an R. So ZachMercurio.com. And then I do have a monthly newsletter called The Spark. And it's all about meaning and purpose. And then my favorite section to write is this try this section. So it's all of this new stuff that I try uh, regarding meaning and purpose, whether it's job crafting, task crafting, uh, purpose statement building. And I'll put it in there and I'll have you try it and, and give me feedback. So that's really fun for me. So you can sign up for the website there. And I also have a uh, the, the newsletter there. And I also have a blog. Um, and, and I wrote a book last year called The Invisible Leader um, that is available all over the place. And so it's all about the science and practice of purpose. Sweet. Sweet. Well, I, you know, I really appreciate you taking it down to not just the the high level, but the very practical. Uh, it's easy to kind of get lost in the clouds when we're talking about purpose. And yet you've, you've made it very accessible. Um, and very real. And I, and I appreciate that. Um, how can people help you, Zach? Like how, how can the listeners help you out? Yeah, I think that one of, one of the things, and I was just talking to some, some people today at a workshop is that culture change, 
changing the way we do business, these types of big things start with individuals thinking differently. And I, I really think, you know, purpose, you know, we're sort of this purpose movement to think more in terms of contribution is really a, a societal movement and, and in, in business. And I think trying these things and letting me know how they go is one way that you can help further this uh, as I'm crafting this message as well. And really just spreading the word on if you've learned and tried any of the things that we talked about, if they worked, telling your stories over and over and over again can start creating really a momentum and a wave and a movement of people who are starting to do business and and live in this way. And I think that we'd have a lot more fulfilled people and actually a lot more success and results, which are important, that that follow that sense of contribution. A little bit of irony there that when we, we focus on the, the results, we uh, disconnect from purpose. But when we focus on purpose, we actually end up with better results. Yeah. And it's really, I mean, it goes back to like, it's just basic business thinking. I mean, I know there's some people thinking probably like, well, this is common sense. If you create value, you achieve results, right? It's all about value creation. Um, but so often that takes a backseat and we try to pursue a result for the result in itself. And we forget that a result is a consequence. It's defined in the dictionary, you know, as a consequence of something. And so, you know, I see, so what is that of something for you? And I see people all the time on LinkedIn. They're like, I'm a results-driven professional. And, you know, I'm not too interested in that because uh, I would rather see more cause-driven professionals, you know, cause-driven people that trust the effects and the results will follow. And I think that that's, that's, that's possible with some of these just easy ways to sort of change our perspective. Cause-driven professional. Yeah, I, I, I love it. You've given me so many turns of phrases here in this short conversation. Oh, um, good, good. Well, I mean, it's just, I do see that all the time. Like I'm a results-driven and I, I always ask myself, and I, I, do, I do it sometimes. Like I fall into this trap and I'm like, results of what? Like I would want someone who's relent, relentlessly pursues the cause of the effect, right? To get the effect. It just makes sense uh, to join my team, for example. Uh, but again, we get it's quick and easy for our brains to remember statistics and facts and all the things we achieved that we sometimes just forget to stop, reflect, ask why, and build from there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Zach, uh, you have been awesome. I really appreciate you joining me on the show here today. And I'm, I'm going to cut it short because otherwise we will continue talking long into the evening here. Um, and uh, But thank you so much for being on. Yeah, thanks, Brock. I, yeah, this is fun. Great questions. Hey, thank you for listening to Imperfect Action today. Let me know what your favorite takeaway was. What what are you going to take from the show and put into action in your life right now today to help you move forward? Hit me up in the comments or on Twitter. I'm dying to hear how is this show helping you to move forward? Now, one of the things I want to mention was that today's episode was brought to you by Nutrafit. Now, I tried Nutrafit's whey protein supplement after meeting the founder and hearing about his journey and his commitment to quality. I like to support up and coming businesses, so I gave it a try and I was really amazed at it. Now, I've had a lot of different protein drinks, but what made NutraFit different is, one, that it mixes immediately, and also that the chocolate flavor actually tasted like chocolate. You know, so often they taste that like some kind of chemical engineering science project rather than just like food. And on top of that, NutraFit has no artificial sweeteners, colors, or preservatives. 
Plus, it includes probiotics, and I find it to be easy on the stomach. Now, the true taste test of it all is that my teenage daughter even likes it. She often has a shaker cup in the morning just on, on her way to school. Now, there are a lot of supplement brands on the market, but I do want to mention that NutraFit happens to be my personal favorite. And as a listener of Imperfect Action, you get 15% off of any order. When you're at checkout, after you've picked out your products, just use the code TAKEACTION. And that's written as one word, just take action at checkout. Now, my personal favorite, and I'm not trying to influence you here, but is the double chocolate whey protein. And you can order right on NutraFit's website. That's N-U-T-R-I-F-I-T-T. There's two T's in there. So NutraFit.net. And let me know what you think.